When I was a little kid growing up in the suburbs of San Francisco, it was uh, Danville, California, a little quiet place, little town. To give you a time frame, the only video game we had at the time was Pong. And we had this yellow wall unit with light yellow trim and green carpet, of course. But it was kind of awesome because my dad built it like a newsstand. And um, we got three different papers. We had every magazine I think that you could get at the time, Sunset, House Beautiful, Road and Track, Time, Fortune. And that was before the internet, and it was before um, cell phones, not even smartphones, not, not even cell phones. And those magazines were my lifeline, and I loved them. I read them all. Ten years old, I was reading about Warren Buffett and business, and at the same time, I was reading about marital problems and how to create a country kitchen. And I think it's one thing that's helped spark curiosity in me about everything. I'm Cami MacArthur, and I am a creative director at DNA in Seattle. Celebrating the work, lives, and achievements of women in Western North America, The Drum presents Exceptional Women Out West, hosted by The Drum North America Editor-at-Large, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. All right. What is there no substitute for? There is no substitute for passion. And I know passion can be a little bit of a cliche term. To me, passion is determination, but with heart, with love. And I think it's what separates good and great. And it's something that I look for in people when I'm hiring. And I don't think being passionate is necessarily being the most loud person in the room. Right. I think that it can be seen in a lot of different ways. It can be about being really obsessed with one thing or taking a project like way beyond expectations. And I think it makes the difference between sitting around and waiting for something to happen mm -hmm. and actually making it happen. In your introduction, you talked about things that, you know, curiosity can mm -hmm. breed passion. Mm -hmm. What was the, you know, you talked about magazines in your introduction you talked about print, but what are some other things that over the course of your career you realized, wow, I'm really passionate about this? One thing I'm very passionate about is storytelling and writing. And it's something that um, I've always done in my job, I'm lucky to do that, but also outside, I have played around with that and I have a book going. Oh, okay, all right, a little, a little shameless self-promotion, I'm, I'm fine with that. No, 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 believe me, this is not gonna be out for probably two decades, okay. it's literally right. like a hobby. Okay, so this is like a long lead teaser. It is a long lead teaser, okay, fair yeah, point. and it is a, it's a mystery. It's a, uh, actually a murder mystery that takes place in the advertising community. There are several inappropriate things I could say <laughs> at this point. But and it does I, involve know. someone being killed by being hit on the head with a, a one-show pencil. I'm sure that Kevin <laughs> Swanepoel will love hearing that. It's, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's exciting, though. What, yeah. Besides that, because, again, we have our, we have our lives in work mm -hmm. and we have our lives out of work that mm -hmm. the two roads generally sometimes collide with some other things in terms of writing that you like to do? Well, it's funny because this might bleed a little bit more into the question of what would you... Um, oh, it's a professional segue. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. No, please, by, by all means. Let me, let me structure this for you. Huh? Right, yeah. You know, I think another question is, you know, what would you be doing if you weren't in advertising? Or you could probably ask it a yeah, little yeah, better yeah. than, I, yeah, so than we, I can. Okay, let, let me tee that up then. Okay. <laughs> if you weren't doing this as a career, what would you be doing? I think I would be a landscape architect or in a less fancy way a farmer oh okay yeah I, you, you have to describe that a little bit because I have a, farming um, and landscape architecture 
similar but different. They're a little different. I have a, almost a weird obsession with plants. I am, um, to me. <laughs> that explains the DNA sign. The oh, plant. right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love them, and I spend a lot of time, I spend an inordinate amount of time, I think, thinking about plants and studying them and actually looking at them. I get, I get teased by my partner, David, and my son, Oliver, because I'm always head down staring at my plants. But I just think that in advertising, we create these experiences. And it's so cool that we can create experiences with what nature gives us. Plants, stone, water, gravel. Pretty much any day off, I'm doing something. I built... Last time I had a couple days off, I um, built a stone patio. A couple days and off. And I love yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into totally, or I wouldn't have done it. But That's yeah, awesome. I ended up like <laughs> getting like 600 pounds of stone and leveling and the whole thing. And my back killed, but, um, but I love it. It's my little place, and that's my thing. The sensory idea of nature and things that are natural around us mm-hmm. and potentially using them for good Mm-hmm. In marketing and advertising. Yeah. That's a pretty, I guess I will go ahead and say, innovative way of thinking. It's true. It's a great idea. I mean, you have a lot to work with. There's a lot of material. Why are we so enamored with artificial when there's so much beautiful nature around us that we could use in appropriate ways? It's a good question. Because we can, I guess. Because mm-hmm. it's there for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shiny things sometimes are easier. Right. I think there's a lot of challenge in looking at nature and wondering, what could we do with this? It is. It's actually, it's physically hard work, and people see it as a playground, but not necessarily as a tool for doing good. When are you at your best? I'm at my best when I'm staring down a problem. Because I think that it gives you incredible focus and purpose And I am told, at least, that I'm pretty calm under pressure, and I (laughs) deal with stress pretty well. I think you have to in this business. But I think that's what we do anyway. We're problem solvers. That's what a brief is. Mm -hmm. No matter how you cut it up, you're trying to make something happen that's not happening already. And I think that's what drives me, and that's what's really exciting. And, um, and I think I'm kind of good at it. So Well, if other people are telling you, that's that's kind of of (laughs) validation you want to get. I think that also... It's very important to surround yourself with people who are really constructive mm-hmm. and are help providing solutions. Right. You know, that's a big part of it. You don't do it alone. The key word there is productive. Yeah. A lot of times. Productive we, and we, constructive. Yeah, we get a little we get a little destructive. Yeah. Little, I think so. A little so. judgy sometimes. Yeah. 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 So you put that person out of the room. <laughs> But I'm, just, I'm feeling like there's more of the productive and constructive. I, I think, think so. I think we're all looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, hmm, I wonder what we need to do to make sure that we will survive in yeah. perpetuity. We're in a really interesting place right now, I think, in marketing and advertising, where it used to be that the problem was, what do you put on television, in print, in radio, on out of home? And now we've got this problem because we have so much. We've got so many ways to reach people. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a, an exercise in reduction. Like, what's the smartest way to get to people? And right. clients want more, faster. They want to feed the content machine. And I think a, a problem that I think we're trying to work out a solution for here is what's the smart way to do this? You know, you don't want to throw as much as you can out in the world. Right. How do you keep meaning with what you're doing and how do you reach people? in a way that makes them care.
Let's move on to the must list. What is a must do? I think a must do is to live in a foreign country. I missed out on that in college. I didn't do the semester abroad or anything like that, but I was lucky enough in my work life to go over and work in Paris at the publicist headquarters. It was one of the most interesting, fun things I've ever done. And it's really different being in a place where you have to, you have responsibilities and have to perform. Mm-hmm. And it's very different than being a tourist and you learn more yeah. in a day than you would at home in a year. Right. You got any Maurice Levy stories you can tell us? <laughs> very fashionable I man. saw he's very fashion and tall, very tall. No, he's very tall and yeah. I, I've, I've always very much enjoyed him. I think he, he seems I think, to be a very well-liked person. I think he's funny. Yeah, he is. You're right. He kind of has that, that sort of, not shoot from the hip, but he's, he's sort of got that productive swagger, mm-hmm. which does. I find interesting. Yeah. And he like started in the mailroom or something. That's the best way to learn. I think so too. That is the best yeah. way to learn. What did you learn most from your time in Paris? I learned that in some ways it's quite different in different agencies around the world, but we're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And ideas win, hard work wins, talent wins. Mm-hmm. What did you bring back to the States in terms of maybe, I'll use a cliche term, best practices and things I like that? I would say getting in very late. Oh, really? <laughs> Start at three. <laughs> they start at like at 1030. Five. Right. It's very funny. They start at 1030. They put down their bag, go out and have a smoke and a tiny little coffee. And then um, <laughs> at 12, everyone stands up, goes to the elevators, goes down, eats lunch. Then they take off and go get a coffee. Mm-hmm. Then they come back and then nothing significant happens until I think like 2.30. And then they work until like like you would never leave at 7 p.m. That'd be like leaving at five on the dot here. Right. So it's like so they, eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like an all day thing. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of <laughs> cool. That must've taken some getting used to. It, it's pretty different. I know. Yeah. We're like, get up at four. Right. Yeah. I know. No. Yeah. There's, it works a little differently there. That's interesting. Yeah. What's a must experience? I left my phone at home the other day mm-hmm. and um, it was very interesting for me. I was a little frantic and it was very funny because I was going out to lunch just to grab lunch and I was all of a sudden gripped by horror. Like, what am I going to do when I'm walking to, to get my food? What am I going to do when I sit down? <laughs> it was like, I couldn't, I'm going to be alone by myself. You know? right. What happened was that I, um, I did just that. I looked around, I had thoughts, you know, <laughs> picked up a copy of the stranger, just kind of yeah, hung out. Yeah, exactly. And, um, didn't answer emails and I, I took a break and it made me realize that we don't do that very often and I don't know why. So leave your phone at home. What's a must read? I read a lot and I read a lot of different types of things. I've been for some reason really into like crime and mysteries for the past six months or so. Yeah. But I would, I would say read something that's outside of your genre. I inherited, um, the Stranger by Albert Camus from, yeah, from my grandmother and it laid around is a, is a dusty book for ages. And then I thought it would be just really pedantic and philosophical. And um, I think it was pretty cool. It is. Kind of uh, felt like sort of fresh. It, yeah. and, um, and it's funny. I don't know why we tend to think that old books might be like more conservative or whatever, mm-hmm. because artists and authors are always the, the uh-huh. edgy ones in their generations. Right. So yeah, I just say, read something different. Read the Ted Bundy book, The Stranger Beside Me. It's pretty good. Ooh. So you went from, you went from existentialism to Ted Bundy. Yeah. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> It's oddly enticing as well. What's a must learn? A must learn, I think, is that at least one thing that I've learned is that every mistake, every failure, every argument, pretty much every experience comes with a little gift. Mm -hmm. 
something you can learn from it. And I always try to accept that gift. Right. So it's not unusual for me to be sitting in my ECD's Dan Gross's office and after something maybe didn't work out the way we thought it was. And the first thing I would say is, you know, what I learned is blank. And then it's not so bad. You take that with you and you make a different mistake, but you don't make the same mistake twice. That's so true. Yeah. And, and, it, <laughs> and it's funny because we seem very hyper-focused, at least in this industry of late, at really celebrating failure, which I think is this interesting double-edged sword. Because yeah. it's the whole idea of failing and it's, you know, hey, I failed. Yeah, but... Uh, it doesn't feel good. You, yeah, you, yeah, you don't want to have a punch card that's, right. you know, when you get to right. 10, you get fired. So right. <laughs> Exactly. There's a limit. What do you think we should do with failure in this industry? Now, more than ever, we do have to give ourselves permission to fail because we are playing around with content and it's... Mm-hmm hopefully not as expensive as doing, you know, a million dollar TV shoot. And I think clients are actually more willing to take risks. And so I think it's making sure that you're aligned with your clients, that you're both, hey, we're going to try this and I'm, I can't bring you a guarantee of the results. So let's do this together. And if it sticks, great. We'll blow it up into something bigger. If it doesn't work, we'll go on to the next thing. That's a really excellent point because the aversion to experimentation was so severe for a long time. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's a function of the traditional? I think so. You think that's part sure, of it? Sure, yeah, because you have media buys that are in place. You have really expensive production that takes you know months, right. all these things. And now things are just so, so much more agile that mm-hmm. it's just you have to experiment. And I think people are kind of on board with that. There's still room to grow, but at yeah. least they're on board Analytics a bit. are the, the thing that uh, everyone's really into analytics right the now. The next AD frontier. Testing, optimization. Yep. <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it'll it's not start a, it's not a bad thing. shake out a little bit better yeah, in the coming yeah. years. Yeah, I think it's not a bad thing. It's interesting to me when it almost doesn't matter what you're testing, just as long as you're, like, testing becomes the goal. And right. So I'm trying to wrap my head around that part. Fair point. What's a question you've never been asked that you would love someone to ask you? And what would the answer to that question be? What's the most amazing experience you've had? That's a very good one. And the answer is giving birth to my son. Okay. And I know there are millions of babies that are born around the world, so it's certainly not a unique experience. But it was the most surreal thing for me. And I wrote about it. And I still think about it. And this is 11 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. now my son and I wear the same size socks. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but I know that one. I think that uh, the only thing that could be more interesting and more surreal would be if uh, you were abducted by aliens and taken to a different planet. It's, well, that's when they that. become teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yes. That's really interesting. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Do you have other colleagues who feel the same way about that? Because you're, you you know, know, you're in a tight-knit community I, here in um, Seattle. Or is this something that's just kind of yours? I feel like everyone has such a different experience. Right. And some women have trouble. Like, you know, they have a hard time after Absolutely. babies. Absolutely. But for some reason, for me, it was pure magic. My maternity leave was like, it was pure magic. That's cool. How yeah. long did you take on maternity leave? I think like two and a half, three months. Maybe, see, maybe th- not actually, I think three months. Yeah, see, that's... Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. whole, two, you know, take a couple of weeks oh, off Oh my thing. God, no. no. Yeah. Life's a little it more important than It was hard to go back. That. It was very hard to go back. That's a real thing. Yeah. And I think you're going to start seeing that with dads too, with parental yeah. leave as well. Yeah. So very interesting point. Yeah. 
Here's where I compliment you. You grew up in Northern California, correct? I did. You were there for how long? Until I left for college, so 18 years. Okay. Oh, and then I um, worked in San Francisco, so actually a very long time. Yeah. So over 30 years. I got gotcha. Change that. If I had not known that about you, I would have very much said, oh, yeah, she grew up in Kirkland and, you know, she went to UW and, mm-hmm. and all of that. The, the thing that I've noticed in getting to know you is I have such an appreciation for the fact that you have such appreciation for the Pacific Northwest and specifically the Seattle vibe. The work that you do and the work that you lead there's such a nice balance of getting the job done and Pacific northwestern I just made mm-hmm. that word up. <laughs> but that's really hard to do without it becoming cliche. And it's hard to do without sort of the, you know, the same iconography and the same things that have been done over and over and over again. Yeah. And I just... I really look at, you know, another, another thing obviously is your optimism, but also your realism, but the part about just being so pure to the Pacific Northwest, that's, that's really hard to do. And that's really cool. Thank you. I think people who live in the Pacific Northwest are very proud. Of, we're you know, weird. We're, yeah, we're weird. We're proud of our quirkiness. And, um, in, even though I grew up in Northern California, I really feel like this is my home. Yeah. And I've spent a long time here now. I think about 15 years right. altogether. It's a, a certain kind of person. It's a certain kind of value system. And you got a lot to work with there. Well, and I have to imagine that within the agency, that has to permeate. Because you do get people who come in mm-hmm. from outside of Seattle. Yeah. How do you Seattle them up when they come in? Again, another term I just coined. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I feel like people who come to Seattle to work have either lived here before or it's a destination because they're tired of New York, or right. they're tired of LA, or they're tired of San Francisco. And so they're on board before they get here. Right. They don't kind of stumble into Seattle. Right. No, it's very true. Yeah. Very true. Like everyone on the show, we want to give you the floor to talk about whatever you would like. So without further ado, the floor is yours. I just want to talk a little bit about mentoring. It's something that has been really important to me and something that I've been pretty active in and continue to be. I feel like, especially as a woman, I think that you go through advertising and you experience it just slightly differently if you're a woman. And I think that there's a lot that women who have been in the business for a while can share with younger women and men, but that's something, I'm the person, if you call me, I will always return the phone call and I will always meet you for coffee. And I really try to help people who are younger in the business kind of follow their gut and lead them in the right direction. So that's something that is very rewarding to me and something that I do hopefully on the job, but also just in the industry. So I always have an open door, whether that's in Seattle or to anyone, anywhere. So this is kind of like the must list. This is the last word. Mm -hmm. This is that one piece of advice or wisdom that you think is important to share with people listening today. What would that piece of advice be? Not trying to make a pun, but I think that my piece of advice would be to listen. To listen really carefully to clients, to friends, to partners, hear what people are saying. I think that a lot of problems can be solved just by really being a good listener. Cammie MacArthur. 
Always a great pleasure seeing you, and thank you so much nice for taking the time with us. you too. Thank you.